to Reds Country Radio. It is April 5th, and the Reds have a winning record. How about that, boys? We've had five games. Reds are three and two. It is overreaction season on every end. Uh, I'm Donnie. We're going to talk about it. Rob, Steve, how are you boys doing? I'm doing good, Don. Doing good. Pleasantly surprised with the start the Reds have gotten off to. Uh, Looking for, uh, was looking forward to see if they could build off of that uh, today, um, or if you're listening yesterday. But uh, the game got canceled. But uh, as of right now, we're sitting at three and two, and things are looking good. How about you, Steve? Yeah, everything's good here. Uh, uh, another cancellation for Philly's opening day tomorrow. So uh, two entire days without Reds baseball. Uh, good thing or bad thing, depending on what side of your fence you're on. I, I think it's a bad thing, but that's just me. So uh, exciting to be on with you boys. Uh, Want to really break it down and chop it up. Let's get to it. Yeah, the old double uh, double postponement kind of stinks. The same storm that uh, canceled the game today is basically what's going to cancel it tomorrow. Uh, but because it was the Phillies' home opener, they had the built-in off day on Friday, which everyone loves to hate, except when it comes in handy, uh, as it did for the Reds a few years ago. And it is for the Phillies uh, this time. So it's all right. Uh, I wish Hunter Green had gotten a chance to throw in a more normal uh, rotation with the off day. He was already going to be on an extra day of rest. And now two postponements mean he's on a lot of rest. Uh, but it's early in the season, so not a big deal. But uh, what did you guys think of the uh, opening two series with the Pirates and the Cubs? Or actually, you know what? Let's, let's talk about opening day first. So Rob and I went. Uh, great experience. Rob, what did you think of the crowd down on the banks, uh, the uh, opening day atmosphere in general in Cincinnati? Uh, the, the crowd at the banks, I thought, uh, was a very fun and lively crowd. I got down there probably around 11:45, so like it wasn't as uh, packed. Um, I met a buddy of mine over at the yard house who was having a meet and greet with his company, and then I, I think I met you probably around, I would say about two, two thirty, and by yeah. about that time the banks was pretty packed. It was almost shoulder to shoulder, uh, kind of how I remember it pre-COVID. Um, then yeah, I ended up going into the game obviously. And, uh, I thought the, the crowd at the game was really good. They had a really great crowd. I felt, um, and, uh, my, my, I sat way up in the nosebleeds on the first base side. I was probably about halfway up, like from the very, very top. Um, but all in all, uh, stumped that the Reds couldn't win that game. They had a chance to, um, at the end, but, um, you know, it is what it is. They ended up taking the next two. Um, but how'd you like your opening day experience, Don? Yeah, it was great. I, I, I lost a bet with my dad, so I had to buy, uh, buy his ticket. But, uh, so he and my brother went, uh, and it was a great experience. The enjoyed going down there a little early. We got some skyline, uh, at fountain square, watched the parade a little bit, just a great Cincinnati day. Uh, the, we, we sat in left field, which is where we, we were like to go. Uh, the sun was a little bit, uh, a little bit in the eyes, but it was kind of cool day otherwise. So felt nice. And, uh, great weather, great crowd, 
fun game, even if it wasn't a W. Uh, but yeah, I'm very happy with opening day. It was good to see that as much as the Bengals hype train, you know, has, has dominated the last few years. Uh, and there's a lot of negativity around the Reds that didn't change the opening day atmosphere. Yeah, that's good to hear. And uh, I, I do think last year, like just wrote about it in the the vibes column. <laughs> I, I'm not yeah. a blog. I'm not that pretentious. But uh, yeah, it was. I, I did feel like the vibes were a lot better just going into game one this year than last year. Team seemed a lot closer together, and like you know, we already we saw it in game one with you know the Viking helmet, and we'll uh, we'll discuss that a little bit later. But I I do think it was good to see still though that the fan interest even for opening day had not died down the team lost 100 games last year and it looked as packed as ever so that um that made me happy i there was a bunch of Bengals fans trolling on twitter uh for the people who weren't there uh there was a guy saying like oh it's crazy that it's opening day and everybody's just talking about free agency and draft and stuff and I didn't realize he was trolling, so I responded to him. I was like, come on, dude, Like, what are we doing? But I guess he's a, a Bengals troll. I don't know. I don't really know, delve that much into Bengals Twitter. It's a weird place. But Red's Twitter, on the other hand, felt like generally cool, generally positive. Um, uh, it was interesting to me that Bob Castellini came out this year and was doing the comments instead of uh, his son. And uh, he made the comment about uh, how they ha- they felt like they had to trade those players to get the best value. And now this year they p- don't plan on trading anybody. I have an interesting idea for a trade, but we'll get to that. That's called a tease in the business. But I have an interesting trade idea for you later on in the show. Uh, it does include one of our beloved Reds, but... Uh, we'll get back to opening day real quick. Just, I really enjoyed just how the lead up to the game went, and then the game was fun itself. Like another year where the Reds were able to tie it back up, and then bullpen, you know, just gave up the one run, but it wasn't the same as you know giving up a bunch of home runs in the eighth and it was over. You still had a chance in the ninth to win it, and Indy gets on second, and he's excited, and unfortunately they don't close it down. Uh, but I mean, you know, it just, I, I think it's funny to think too. Reds do not have a very good record on opening day. Like for how much we love opening day, like just the preamble and everything leading up to it, the games, like we're not very good on opening day. I think we have a lose, like losing record by about 10 or 12 games on opening day. Kind of crazy. I, I don't know the record off the top of my head, but it always just seemed like growing up as a kid and like watching opening day after school, like it, it always just seemed like regardless of how good or bad the Reds were, we always lost on opening day. Um, but like also just as like side note, it's also really cool to see like the city kind of shut down and like kind of come together because it turns into pretty much a civic holiday. Yep. And uh, it's just really, really cool to see like somebody that's not, not from here originally, obviously. Um, just very, very neat atmosphere. Yeah, it's a big deal no matter what, even if we're losing most of the time. That's kind of how the Reds go. We've had periods of a lot of success, but longer periods of a lot of not success. Uh, I will say as far as the game goes, Hunter Green – he looked good as far as his pitching actually went. Uh, he's just got to work on those, uh, just getting in such deep counts. You know, he had eight strikeouts in only three and a third innings. Uh, hard not to get a pretty high pitch count doing that. Uh, I'd like to see him work deeper in games. He's obviously proven he can. I'm sure he will. Uh, I was looking forward to seeing that today. We will see that Friday. So that's uh, Hunter Green. No worries there. Uh the other concern as far as opening day goes, it was, has always been, which even when we've had good teams in the last three seasons, call it uh, four seasons, 
we've started really slow uh, as far as offense goes. And that was not the case in opening day, not the case for at all this, this season in the first five games, the offense has been cooking. Uh, and we've talked about this, you know, all off season and leading up to this, uh, the fact that these young guys are getting a chance to play every day, you know, they're not Spencer steer, steer doesn't have to split time with Mike Moustakis. You know, we, we, uh, we saw, we got Kevin Newman, but he's not really, and he's playing better than Barrera right now, but generally the young guys are getting a chance to play. Uh, and there's not really many old guys getting in the way that don't have a future on this team. You know, even Will Myers is a little bit of an exception to that. He's kind of fits that mold of like a, a guy we signed that doesn't really have a huge future, but he's, a, he's still, he's, he's still pretty young. He's still a great player. And, you know, he's not really taking anyone's spot. He, he's a good flex flex guy that can bounce from the outfield to the, to the corner infield to DH and uh, I'm pretty happy with how this team is shaping up. And, but again, I think getting all those young guys uh, regular playing time is going to be huge. What do you guys think of how the, the boys have been hitting so far? Yeah. Uh, I think this was an actual like concerted point from David Bell. He had mentioned, uh-huh. I, I heard somewhere that he mentioned that how slowly the team had started in four of his five years on the job. And yeah. I, I think he was, of making a point that we want to start a lot faster this year. And they had made that point in spring training. I think, you know, trying to get guys to play more innings and just make sure everybody had their timing right before opening day. And we saw it with that three game win streak they had, they were really like, you know, responding quickly. Like the Reds have, were tied last night for the most runs in the first inning. Um, and, yeah, now, and then they took the lead last night for most runs in the first inning in baseball. And, um, that that was a thing of the, on that 2019 team as well is that they were really good in that first in the first inning and uh, just jumping over pitchers and I, I think that that can be something that can help a team like the Reds who is not supposed to win many games if you get out early and just build like a three four five run lead and that that's just you know it gives obviously it gives a, a, the other team a lot of time to come back but that can also be really demoralizing. And their offensive production too is coming from all it's coming from power and also by playing small ball too. Um, they're being a lot faster, a lot more aggressive on the base pads. You're seeing guys like TJ Friedel. He's dropping bunts, then he's turning around and hitting home runs his next at bat. Like it's a, a complete all around offensive effort. And it's been very, very, very surprising to see. TJ Friedel has been really fun to watch. He's a guy I've had my eye on since we uh, drafted him, but didn't what we signed him as an undrafted uh, guy. Cause no one really knew he was even eligible, which is a crazy story. If yeah. you go back and look, look that up. But uh, he's been grinding through the minors, and he's 27 years old and, and finally getting a chance to play every day at the big league level. And, man, he's proven that he deserves that that roster spot. Uh, man, all these young guys, really with the exception of Will Benson, who looked great. Uh, Jason Vossler, of course, has been uh, – really only made the team because of Vado's injured and really not even that injured. He's just like a week behind. Uh, and he's – but he made the absolute most of the week he was getting. He leads the team with three, three home runs, seven RBIs, uh, you know, small sample size, but he's got a 1.467 OPS. Uh, Vossler, I think he doesn't have, he doesn't have a single yet. I'm pretty sure he has all extra base hits. Uh, and he's looked solid in the field and, you know, he's got, he's 10 years younger than Joey. Biden. So I, Jason Vossler, probably not the future at first base, but he's a guy I'm glad to have on the roster. And, you know, when Vado comes back, Vossler's not going down. That was probably the original plan, but uh, we can get into where where else we might think that'll go. We talk about some roster moves later on, but 
one thing about this offense with all these young guys and really, I think one of the other big things is that there are no expectations on this team. They're allowed to just play loose and have fun. Maybe that'll change if they keep winning later in the season. Uh, they'll start, they'll start to get real, but the Viking helmet, of course, celebration uh, started by Luis Sessa, who said that uh, who was a Jake Frehley looks like a Viking with his, with his hairdo there and the beard. And, uh, and so they, they got a little costume to celebrate with the team uh, after home runs. <laughs> There've been a bunch of home runs already. A lot of guys donned the, the Viking costume. Uh, what do you guys think of that? Well, yeah, so fellas through five games, we've already got 10 home runs hit by this team. Um, I'm personally a huge fan of the Viking helmet celebration. It keeps uh, whatever helps keeps the guys loose and uh, helps build up a little more camaraderie on the team. I was listening to the Talking Baseball podcast earlier this week, and they asked Trevor Plouffe about it, and he was like really down on it. And he was like kind of shitting on it, really basically saying like, you know, this is tough to keep up for 162 games. And, you know, what if you're getting beat by six runs in the eighth inning and uh, your guy hits a home run, you're still going to do like the Viking helmet celebration. Like, man, like I, I get that. But at the same time, like, you know, just, just let us have this one and like don't pee in my Cheerios for once. It, it doesn't have to last all season. They're having fun with it now. Maybe they'll think of something else or maybe it'll just kind of fade out. It's okay either way. Like just, just enjoy it. Right. Yeah. Uh, did they? I didn't watch after like the seventh inning last night. Did Stuart Fairchild get the Viking helmet? Like I, I, I probably do yeah, need to go back and see the. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good, so that good. was it. Was kind of funny because uh, you know John yeah. India has been basically the guy that is in charge of the, uh, the cape at least, and uh, <laughs> so he's usually right on the steps waiting for the guy to put him as before he even like walks down the stairs. Uh, India was on base though when when that home run happened, so he's he's coming in and they were not really ready and they weren't even sure. I think they weren't even sure if they were going to do it. And you know, we were down by seven runs or whatever. Uh, so he's like, he's down the stairs and like turned the corner already before anyone even puts anything on him. And someone's like, Oh, yep, let's do it. Uh, and they still did. And it, you know, he walked most of the way with it. So, you know, that was a tough loss last night. The game kind of went away from us and it was a big, you know, big run differential at that point. But um, until we're losing like eight games in a row and still doing it, I don't mind us doing that. It was our first loss in four games and we played well besides one blow up inning. Yeah. Keep doing the celebration. Yeah. Yeah, The best part of the whole thing is they get out of the end of the dugout and the guy presents them like the flaccid rubber bat. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That one was, I was like, what, what is that? It doesn't even look like an actual fungo bat or anything, but I guess it's a hitting tool. But yeah, (laughs) I think it also speaks to just, India is starting to take a leadership role on this team. And like, you know, he's always like trying to get the guys fired up, whether he's on base in the dugout. Like, I really think he's become like that emotional leader of the team and something that we all kind of wish Joey Vada would do a little bit more outwardly, you know, things we could see over the years. And we, um, you know, India's already doing it. And like we talked about boys, like uh, our last episode, we wanted them to do something fun. Like, at second base or when they got back and they're, they're doing it. And I, I want all the people that were in our mentions on opening day to get off our lawn because <laughs> it's fun, man. Like let them have fun though. The wins will come eventually, you know, baseball is supposed to be fun, Steve. That's right. That's right. Baseball isn't boring. It's supposed to be, fun. but, and that's always the, you see the old, old farts on Twitter that get angry about these guys celebrating or doing whatever. Uh, and it's like, well, we as fans are supposed to enjoy watching the game. Shouldn't the players enjoy playing it and winning? Like that's, it, it's a two way street there. Like 
that makes me think like what are you even enjoying watching the game do you have fun rooting for the reds like what what what's the point here what are you doing but uh but no i <laughs> to your point there on india taking a leadership role that still seems so crazy to me because it feels like we just called him up but i'm looking at the roster and with with joey Votto out uh and with senzel out india is the I mean, he and Stevenson are the longest tenured Reds on the uh, on the offense on the as far as position players go, which is kind of wild to me. Kirk Casale, if you count him on a second stint, but uh, this team has had so much turnover lately, and you know, as we've said, the young guys coming up and getting a chance to play. Twenty-six-year-old third-year John India is one of the senior members of this Reds team, and I love it. Yeah, and he's kind of driving the bus too. He's leading the team in batting average at 329. He's actually one of five players on the team that's batting above 300. Uh, like said, is that yeah, it's a three. Oh, three. Did I say 329. 389 yeah. is what he's batting. As he's like I said, he's one of five guys batting above 300. Um, driving the leadership bus, like we've been saying, it's just really been really fun and really cool to see. Um, and hopefully, he keeps it up. Yeah. And, and so one benefit of having a lot of rookies and younger guys on the roster uh, is that pitchers don't necessarily know how to face them. And so uh, a lot of the times you'll see guys like this that maybe don't have the highest ceiling in the world uh, where, so for example, they would be like the Vosslers of the world, the, even like Fraley and Friedel aren't like the highest ranked prospects in the world, but they're playing really well. Uh, pitchers are going to figure them out a little bit. And then it's all about adjustments. When we saw Aquino, uh, Aristides Aquino knocked the cover off the ball for one month and then pick pitchers figured out that he just can't hit a breaking ball. And he saw nothing but breaking balls and just was never the same. Uh, you know, so pitchers are going to learn these guys and they're, they're going to have to make adjustments. And these are young players and they're going to go through stretches where they're not hitting as well as they are in this first week. Uh, and that's where I'll be really interested to see if we can make those adjustments. Uh, you know, if getting depth back with Votto and Senzel helps, um, if some guys do get sent down, but then it works for them for working on things. Uh, it's a long season, but I love that. It's a long season as a diehard baseball fan. I'm not asking for less games. Uh, I do like the quicker games. We can talk about that, but uh, I don't need less games. You know, the full season is such a challenge for teams to manage. Um, I think it'll be really good for this young team. Well, one thing I saw that really, um, that that really excited me was going back to Monday night's game, the third against the Cubs. Um, they were down by three runs really quickly. I think it was after the, I think it was the first or second inning they got down, but yeah, three runs really, really quickly into the game. Uh, but they responded and they bounced back. I feel like a Reds team last year or maybe the year before something like that happens. They just kind of fold the tents up and just kind of let the game play out, but they uh, showed some resiliency and I'll be at the next night. They got smoked, but that was, you know, uh, extraordinary circumstance. Um, well, from what I saw on Monday night was very, very promising and uh, growth for this young team. Well, and it was against the lefty too. And uh, same with uh, the six run performance against uh, Rich Hill on Saturday, another lefty. Like we, we've seen for how many years this team just get absolutely neutralized by a decent to good left-handed pitcher. And just, it's just so nice to actually have the ability to platoon and give different guys, different uh, like chances to, you know, attack those left-handed guys. And like, for example, like Barrero and uh, he, he started on Monday night uh, and Vossler had to come in to take his spot because he got injured, unfortunately. But um, I do think it's something cool where, you know, Bell is giving these guys the best opportunity. Like Jake Fraley didn't play that night and he's, he has like a one 
1.1 OPS. And, you know, he's just better against righties. And we saw him, like, go in and get a pinch hit homer when Rich Hill was lifted on Saturday. Like, the, I think just not having guys, like you said, like a Moustakis, like a Tommy Pham, like a bunch of older guys that are just taking up spots and, and like, are, maybe aren't established either, it gives – David Bell that opportunity to just you know put these guys in the best position to succeed and for the Reds to succeed. And you got to think about this too. This is the last year of his contract, so if he doesn't really go above what he's supposed to do with this year, he probably won't get asked back. Yeah. Oh, I mean, That's, we're just uh... if you want to see winning ball games, so we're 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 going to be trying to win ball games this year. But I do like also how you know they don't quit either, like you said, Rob. Yeah, this team has been fun to watch so far. Uh, on the pitching side of things, the trio at the stop, top of our rotation, Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, and Graham Ashcraft, they look like the real deal. Uh, I heard, I think, a comment from the uh, Pirates manager. Uh, I don't know if like someone overheard it or something, but it's basically saying like we're not going to face a better, better three starters in any series this season except for this one. And that's crazy to me because these guys kind of came out of nowhere uh pretty much all rookies last season uh, it <laughs> it's exciting time to be a reds fan if you like good pitching uh and i will be dialed into every game that those three guys are pitching no matter how many losses we end up with because it's still electric watching them strike guys out and you know even hunter green ended up giving up three runs uh, and, and got yanked in the fourth but just an electric start nonetheless he hit uh, it was an error, but the 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 gun showed him hitting 105. I guess it was actually 102, but even hitting 102 and striking guys out left and right. Super fun to watch. The real dialogue then is, would you rather have, say, say not considering their age, so like obviously the young guys we're going to have for longer, uh, they could get even better. For just this season, for just one season, would you rather have uh, the 2020 top three guys with uh, – Cy Young winner Trevor Bauer, uh, Luis Castillo, and Sonny Gray, or Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, and Graham Ashcraft? Tough question. That's, in that's an interesting question because I've been seeing a lot of the uh, comparisons of Ashcraft, Graham, uh, Ashcraft, Lodolo, and Green, sorry, to uh, Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz. And I'm, I'm going to pump the brakes on that until I <laughs> get some more results. But, uh, uh, Graham Ashcraft has looked like the best out of the bunch so far. His one start, he went seven innings as a 1.29 ERA. Um, I just think for experience sake, I think I go with the 2020 rotation just uh, for just yeah. the experience of it. And those guys can pitch deeper into ball games too. Like uh, Hunter Green hasn't really showed this year that he can pitch deep into a ball game. And uh, like Lodolo only went five innings. He's a guy that you need to go probably six or seven. Um, but obviously there's a lot to build from. Yeah, and I I did think that the discourse was like interesting in that in that question and the responses. It was about sixty eight thirty two on the poll question from our followers, um, and I, I do agree with that. I mean, obviously, like you know, uh, those three guys are my major league pitchers who have had years of experience, and um, I still would love to have Castillo on this team. I understand why, and the return was obviously good. We don't have to rehash that, but um, you know, just the the upside that these three guys have and uh, you know you're right donnie like we can't you, we can't take the potential out of it you know, just just for this year but 
I think the answer of the 2020 crew is right, but man, the like this top three is just nasty. It's a, we made this joke. It's a legit college baseball rotation because yeah. you got three yeah. top guys. And then uh, the next two, uh, eh, well, you know, we figure that out later. <laughs> yeah. Those guys are the Wednesday starters. Right. And we got the Friday, Saturday, Sunday bunch. Uh, that's funny. That's a good way to put it. Uh, and yeah, we need those guys pitching deeper in games. Obviously that was something you can get out of the Trevor Bowers and Luis Castillo's of the world. Those guys are going seven, eight innings regularly. Uh, Man, Luis Castillo and Sonny both look great so far this year. I mean, that was a team that had three legitimate aces on it. I mean, the two guys that are still in the MLB uh, are the aces of their team. Uh, and the other one won a Cy Young that year. And uh, future, future considerations aside, uh, I mean, all three of these guys in the, in the top of our rotation now could be aces. They could be Cy Young contenders. Uh, that is exciting to see. So it's like, all right, let's not waste it. And especially as, like you're saying, these are young guys. They are potentially going to be on an innings limit, depending on where the team uh, is at, you know, come September. We need the bullpen to, to be strong. Started out a little, little, started out solid. Looked a little okay. shaky in the last game. Uh, you know, there are definitely some concerns there. Uh, Buck Farmer has looked a little rough. Uh, Joel Kunal obviously got sent down after just one outing where he gave up three runs. Kind of tough luck there on him. Uh, Fernando Cruz. Fernando Cruz looked bad in his first outing. He's looked a little better since then. Ian Jabot, I thought, has been solid. Of course, Derek Law and Alexis Diaz have looked great. We need some healthy guys back. We need uh, we need Tony Santian. We need Lucas Sims. And eventually, I think, is TJ Anton going to be back this year? I thought he was uh, done for the season, or he most of the season at least. Supposed to be back in like July, but I yeah, he, but, we missed all last year. But anyway, yeah. we need those guys back. We need to make a move, maybe even uh, because if man, it, we it's so funny how quickly the the sentiment is shifting after just five games. But considering Vegas thought we were going to win sixty five games this year, we start off strong, and if, if these hitters keep hitting, and this top three in our rotation keeps winning and the last two guys can get us one or two here and there. Uh, it really comes down to that bullpen. How can we bridge to Alexis Diaz? And, you know, if Lucas Sims isn't quite the same when he comes back, I mean, we're going to need to make a move there. And I think, I think we could be buyers in July and that is, Good. man, it is April 5th. That is a, I'm so early on that. And so on the hype train, but uh, you know, the potential is there. They did. They, if they make a move, I, I'd imagine they'd get like a mercenary type reliever, kind of like how uh, um, uh, Arthur Rhodes was when he played for the Reds the one year here. Um, but they really need to get more innings out of their fourth and fifth starter. Um, just the, the sample size of these last five games, they burned through their bullpen pretty quick and they went, went through the arms. Um, that, that starts because you know you're going you're, you're gonna to get at least six innings from your top three guys. You need to get at least – at least you know, six or at least five and a third or something from your, your four and five starter. Uh, Cause those bullpen won't be able to survive. if They keep doing that in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and you know, like you said, uh, they brought up a uh, Kevin Herget. I don't know if he's uh, a friend or brother or relative <laughs> of Jimmy Herget, Jimmy. Um, uh, former red uh, obscure, former red, but 
I do think you're you got a point there, Don. There there are potential moves to be made. Like the bullpen is never going to be a finished work in progress, especially in 2023. Like there's always going to be guys coming up and down. Like if somebody you know gets hot at AAA, then like they're going to give them a shot. And I I do think you're right. Like there's got to be something's like happening with Buck Farmer. His his velocity's down. Um, that one's weird. Jabo uh, has looked good, but not like overpowering by any sense even reaver last night he had a, a weird one but you know he's still a young guy he's still figuring it out so I, I do think that they will have a better bullpen than last year just because hunter strickland is not there but uh, if if that's a it's a pretty low bar to clear again and i love what bryce balding said last night i think when you guys sent it in our group chat earlier today some of y'all are just not built for 162 if we're already going to be just blowing up the bullpen after game five and i you know it's not the greatest bullpen in the world i get it like it's there's no reason to be holding on to guys like this but it's also something where you know it's week one maybe these guys if they get a chance to just work into the season a little bit and it built up again then they'll have a better chance to actually you know grow into what they can do and grow into their roles but you're right donnie it's just the the eventual three inning journey to getting to alexis diaz at the back of the pen and, yeah and he's been electric so far only two outings for him but it, everything's been looking good what do you guys think of alexis diaz's uh entrance music uh and they got the whole we haven't seen it in the night game yet but they got the whole flashing lights thing they got a video that plays during home games uh He's coming into a song called Matador, uh, another, you know, Hispanic vibe, uh, trumpety song uh, that his brother Alexis helped actually pick out for him. Uh, what do you guys think of uh, the Matador entrance? I love it. I'm a fan of it. I, it it's cool, though, because like his brother Edwin Diaz had something similar. So it like makes sense. Like the brothers would do something similar like that. I, I enjoy it. Yeah, it's it's just a lot of fun, and uh, he walked out to Narcos when uh, uh, he was pitching for Team Puerto Rico right after yeah. Edwin Gabbert. So that was uh, I I kind of wondered if he was just gonna play that, but he wanted his own thing, and I I definitely appreciate that, like you know trying to do your own thing, and I I am just excited for when you know it's like a September game and we need three outs to close down, like another chance to get closer to the playoff position. Crowd's, you know, been building up all season. It's a little bit more full, and then the trumpets start hitting, and Alexis yeah. Diaz lights are flashing and everything, and and I'm excited for that. You know, it's that's going to be a lot of fun, um, and it just gives, you know, Reds fans something else to look forward to in the ninth. Um, I am going to bring down the mood of the show just a second though, because here is my tease from earlier about my trade proposal. How big okay. would the package have to be, or? the Mets to trade for Alexis Diaz and you to say yes. Because if you've been following the Mets at all this year, uh, they just got swept by the Brewers. The bullpen's in shambles already. People are like, uh, our buddy, uh, our guy, uh, the Clem report on Twitter, uh, Barstool guy, he quote tweeted my Alexis Diaz tweet. And then I had about 50,000 Mets fans saying, uh, tagging that. Steve Cohen and saying, we need, we need, <laughs> we need a uh, Alexis. And, just wondering, man, like if they're not going to call up like, uh, you know, Beatty or if they're not like how many prospects would it take for you? Like, can you really drive up the price on Alexis Diaz? And if it's good enough, are you taking it? Well, for one, I'll say quickly, there was rumors already that the Mets were inquiring about him. So that conversation has happened, which is 
it's interesting to me that the trade didn't happen because I'm sure the Mets were willing to, willing to make a big package and we weren't willing to budge. Uh, you know, this is the first guy that David Bell has called a closer, I believe, in his tenure. He's, he's, he's loved the uh, team approach. That's worked really well. You know, high leverage situations, get your best reliever in there. You don't have to save until the end. Uh, and Alexis Diaz is not always going to pitch in just the ninth, but he's the closer of the team. And I, I like that David Bell's been willing to say that's the first one basically on the red since Iglesias, uh, you know, and before that Chapman. So uh, I can't really think of anyone else that was significant enough to be like the closer. Uh, it's hard to replace. And if we keep winning games, if suddenly we're in it, uh, it, it almost might not even matter how desperate the Mets get because we're not getting rid of a top three reliever in baseball uh, when we are in the mix and we need to win games uh, and we need a closer in the ninth. Uh, it's just not going to happen. So the Mets kind of need to hope the Reds start losing uh, because I don't see how that happens if we're in the mix. Unless I throw in like a Pete Alonzo or Francisco Lindor or something like that to the trade package. I don't see it happening. Something insane. Yeah, no, you're right. It, it it would take something insane. And even like Bob said, you know, we don't want to trade guys this year. I think it would really have to be something like absolutely crazy that crawl really like pushes. I don't even think it's Epler making the deals. I think it's Steve Cohen himself, like taking yeah. the calls from the other GMs, you know? So <laughs> it would just be very interesting to me, but um, crawl, uh, you know, crawl did make a trade with the Mets last year for Tyler Naquin. He is one of the three GMs that he knows. So Take that where it's <laughs> right. but, um, I, I, I'm not saying this as I want him to be traded. No, I, I want to keep Alexis Diaz in a Reds uniform for as long as possible, you know. But I'm just, I, I was just throwing it out there because I think it's an interesting talking point. And if you get like a godfather offer or something, and if it's really, the Mets are really desperate, maybe. But you're right, Don. Yeah. If we're winning, like that would just be another morale killer right there, you know. And it was just, they, there's no real reason to do it other than just adding guys to an already pretty stacked farm system. Right. And it's, it's almost like, where's the room for it? I mean, you don't need more infielders. You probably don't need more outfielders just because some of those guys are going to move to the outfield. Uh, and shit, do you really even need more pitchers as far as prospect goes? You got, uh, you got a good bunch of guys in double A, triple A that, that can, that should, you know, contribute here soon. It's it's back end relievers that this team needs, and so uh, we, uh, you know, what are we going to get out of it? it it's yeah. just more pieces, and everyone hates that. As far as you know, it's the running joke on Twitter now. It's like, oh, these guys will give us great prospects in a couple years. Uh, I think even just from a, and I think they absolutely consider this when making decisions. But from a sentiment and like they learned a lesson with the Phil thing last year. I think ownership absolutely is thinking about perception when they make when they're making moves and maybe more than they should even, uh, you know, we know they fell into that trap a little bit with keeping together the team too long in the year that we hosted the all-star game. Uh, so they're absolutely worried about perception and they know they screwed up. That's why Phil wasn't, you know, talking this year. Uh, that's why it was Bob. And I thought Bob actually spoke pretty well. We talked about that already, but they are very worried about that because it does affect, I mean, last year's, uh, attendance was crazy low. It was the lowest it had been since the eighties or something. Uh, and you know, we've had teams that are 65 win teams, uh, you know, in the past decade and they had more attendance. And a lot of that was because of, of people who were fed up with that. So I don't think they're going to get rid of a player as loved as Alexis Diaz, at least not yet, especially he has five more years of team control. Like it just doesn't make sense. Mets fans 
are going to sound are going to start. We're, we're going to hear about this for the next five years, uh, just like we heard Yankees fans insisting on uh, us trading Luis Castillo to them for four straight seasons. Uh, they the the Mets are the new Yankees, I guess, as far as the empty you know empty checkbook kind of deal with Steve Cohen. They think they can get whoever they want. Well, they're not getting Alexis Diaz. It is kind of sad to me, though, that Clint Frazier never panned out because that was always the deal. You know, it was like Clint Frazier and uh, some other prospect for your team's best player. Say yes. And <laughs> nobody ever <laughs> yeah. took the deal. And there's a reason yeah. why. Right. Uh, so that's one roster move that we don't think is going to happen. There are some other things that will be happening for sure in the next few weeks. Votto could be back any day uh, as soon as this weekend or the next series. And Nick Senzel started his rehab soon. He's not too far behind. Uh, probably by the end of the month, I'd say. When those guys come back, well, let's talk about Votto first. Votto's back. Who are you sending down? Uh, how does the lineup construction change? What happens? I think the first guy that gets sent down is probably Will Benson. Um, his stat line so far, he's 0, 0, uh, 0 for 12 with nine strikeouts. I mean, he made a great defensive play, but uh, his his production at the plate is not there. Obviously, he might need a little more seasoning against minor league pitching, but he's probably the first guy to go. Um, second guy to go, you were Fairchild, maybe. What do yeah. you think, Steve? Yeah, I, I'd I'd agree with that. Those are the two names, and you know, like like it would have been Vossler, like we mentioned earlier today, but. You know, he, he's proven himself, and that's why these guys are on the squad, to prove themselves in this week where, you know, the, the, you get the chance while the other guys are still rehabbing. And, you know, I would love to see Senzel in a role where he's a utility guy. He's not going to start every day in center field. I think they got to get him, like, just chances to get involved. But, you know, I would love to see a breakout year from Nick Senzel. I'm not, like, crazy optimistic about it happening, but – you know, I, it's just something that I'm I'm looking forward to seeing if he can like come back to what we all saw from him while he was coming up through the minors. So, but you're right; it would probably be those two guys. And then you know, like Tony Santion from the pitching side is already looking pretty good. He could be another quick call up. Like you know, Joel Kuno already got sent down. Um, I think Ricky Karcher was looking good over the weekend. Um, Shout out to all, all the Reds fans on Twitter that are following the minor league games and somehow watching the uh, the major league game at the same time. Um, I, I can watch two screens, but I can't like be in, intently following both. So shout out to you. But uh, Don, I'm interested to hear though what what you think. Yeah, I mean, uh, unfortunately, Will Benson is the guy that it makes the most sense. We we really wanted a lot from him. He had a great spring, uh, and he's got the tools. He is only 25. It's not like he's one of these, uh, you know, Jason Vossler, 29 year olds who's been bouncing around in AAA and just not quite stuck. Benson has time. Uh, you know, we, we, we acquired him from the Indians in a trade. I, for some reason, my mind thought he was a, maybe a rule five guy, but that's not the case. We just kind of acquired him. Uh, was it in the middle of the spring or something? Uh, he kind of came out of nowhere. It was like back in December, I think. Uh, okay. Either way. But, um, I, you know, I'm optimistic on him. Maybe he's not going to be a contributor this year. Uh, when I was hyped on him initially in the spring, uh, I was like, man, where is, where is Senzel even going to fit in? But with Benson maybe taking a back seat, uh, that does open up a spot in the outfield. And, but at the same time, Jason Vossler is going to be looking for at-bats. 
with uh, Votto back and, you know, Spencer Steers playing well at third, which is where Vossler is uh, kind of his natural position, I believe. Uh, but he does have experience in corner outfield and he was taking fly balls, uh, you know, before the game. So, you know, he's going to get at bats, whether it's DH, whether it's in the outfield, we got a lot of guys we can mix and match. We got a lot of lefties. We got a lot of righties. Uh, I think it's a good problem to have. Vado's going to play. It's not going to play every day, which I think is also good for how this team is constructed. Uh, you know, Vado might not even just switch to DH or like he might just sit the bench when we play lefties or even when we're against righties, he's just going to sit the bench occasionally. And that's, that's what, what you got when you got a 39 year old on the roster and you got a bunch of 27 year olds that are, you know, itching to play every day. Uh, the hot guys are going to, are going to stay up. I was commenting this earlier, as far as the next move goes, uh, you know, Benson is the obvious one to send down, get every day at bats in triple a, let him work back. Uh, I wish we would budge on the three catcher idea. Uh, I, I think it makes a lot of sense on paper. Uh, I actually think it would make more sense if we didn't have the DH, uh, because that is basically one more bench spot. You know, if you look at, <laughs> With nine guys in the lineup, uh, if you want to make a substitution, you've basically, you know, on the normal bench, maybe you've got one back of infielder, one back of outfielder. Uh, it's not a lot of flexibility. Uh, having one more position player on the bench would be nice. Uh, and in my eye, that would make the easy move. Nick sends that a lot. Luke mailed down, mainly down. Uh, I don't think they're going to do that. Maybe they will eventually. Uh, unfortunately, our, our good buddy Stuart Fairchild might be the next on the block, even though he's I mean, he doesn't have a big sample size, but he hit a home run. You know, he's, he's looked decent in the field. He's a fast guy. Uh, he's a guy I want on this team. So I want, I'll say that I want Luke Mail Maley to be the guy that gets sent down when Senzel is up, but I don't think it'll happen. Yeah. It's, it, it is just weird to me that we're going to run with three catchers and neither Casale or Maley can like play first base or anything like that. And I would never give, right. I, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but I don't think I would ever have Luke Maley, um, you know, playing the DH role either. Uh, maybe Casale DH. Then. Yeah. yeah, but you know, it's just weird to have Maley there as just like a guy who's just gonna be there, and maybe he'll get traded um, at the deadline as like a you know a guy that yeah. oh hey a playoff team needs another catcher who's solid defensively and like you know, he's got to just go find a spot on a roster. But I just I don't know. It was just weird to have. Those guys, especially when you got a guy like Senzel who's working his way back up and trying to get on the roster, and yeah. who you might arguably who have wanted wanted to have over uh, some of these other guys at the start of the season. You know, Jason Vossler has proven himself, but like before the season, maybe you thought, "Oh, I would rather have Nick Senzel on this team over Vossler." You know, but you know, like like we said, Vossler is taking his chance, and Vosswater is flying off the shelves, baby. Hell yeah! <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm just. Sorry, go, go, ahead. go ahead. I was going to say the way the game is, is moving. Everyone's a utility player, you know, back in the day, maybe a guy could only play one primary position kind of had maybe one secondary position. We have so many guys that can play both the infield and the outfield too. Like Senzel was taking a lot of, you know, balls in the infield. He was, he was playing at third base, second base. Uh, when he comes back, he's going to play all over the diamond. Uh, Jose Barrera has already started the game in center field. Although it was the game he left early. Uh, he's going to play all over. Hopefully he starts hitting a little more, uh, but the flexibility that this, this team has uh, Vossler Myers are also both infield outfield guys. That is going to be great. It's, it's great for the platooning. It's great for getting guys rest. Uh, and I don't feel like you're really taking a step back with 
any one of those uh, those position players. And the fact that you don't have, you know, a Mike Moustakis or even really called a Joey Votto, you don't have another superstar that is penciled into that position every single day. Uh, because you don't have any guys like that, everyone has to move around. And it's a good thing because it, uh, you know, it, it's not really, there's, there's no suck at third base every day. Like even steer uh, is going to get plenty of, he's going to see the bench occasionally and that's fine. Uh, we got lots of guys that can play third base. So uh, there's no player that's just going to be there every single night. And that's a good thing. Yep. Looking ahead, like if, if Ellie De La Cruz is chomping at the bit to get brought up, uh, who, who's the next guy that's going to get sent out for him? Like you can't send like Kevin Newman down, can you? Or anybody like that. Probably just DFA Newman, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I guess you trade him. Uh, yeah. Or, you know, just get rid of him. Because yeah. Kevin um, Newman, probably not a future on this team. But Barrero is a guy I would say consider trading, if that if that's the case. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd be interested to see, like, what other teams think of Barrero. Um, you know, I, I, I think he does have some ceiling still. And just ha- he is just not had the ability to reach it, whether it be injury or just, you know, not hitting well, just hasn't had that same ability. And I, I feel for the kid, like, you know, it just, he got brought up in 2020 in a really weird situation and just yeah. has not been able to produce like we would have like hoped. But I think there's tweets of me saying he was like, he and Jonathan India were the middle of the Reds infield for the next 10 years. So that, that, that might've been a, not a great take, you know, but um, I'm interested that to point, see Steve, what... I, I, I hope we, uh, Maybe this season, maybe next, maybe this offseason. I hope we start extending some guys. And we need to, especially with all these big contracts off our off our books, with Votto basically off the books, we need to start spending money. And that's a debate for another day. But I, I hope we see something out of that, even a small extension. Just yeah. buy out someone's arb years. You know, sign some sign someone like TJ Friel's like a five-year contract. Like nothing crazy. Can we yeah. do something? Something to show me. Show the fans that they're not just going to blow up this team when these guys uh, become free agents. You know, give me some idea that they might stick around. Yeah, yeah. Even uh, if it's like one of the pitchers or something, you know, just yeah. like, uh, like say, Graham Talk Ashcraft, whoever is not represented by Scott Boris, come on down and get your extension, baby. Like a, a yeah. Graham Ashcraft extension, like, man, that would be awesome. Or like a, even like a Tyler Stevenson extension, like that would yeah. be fun too. There's a lot of, you're right. I, I would love to see that. And I do think like, once they get this whole TV situation figured out and like other revenue and stuff, it, I do think that they will want to spend again because you know, next year is a big year for them. Like they have obviously Votto not going to be there. They have some more flexibility and this is like 24 is probably the year that crawl really thought that they could come back because they knew they already had some great guys in their system and mm-hmm. just the ability to build on that, make trades and already get yourself back to where we're thinking this team could even compete this year and be ahead of schedule. So, but I think you're right. I think they're going to try and su- supplement the 24 roster with some additional signings, but I would prefer extensions though. I agree. Like, and I just don't see really like the point of just adding a guy to add a guy. And then you get yourself in trouble like you did in 2020 and Dick Williams. Uh, I I don't really like Dick Williams anymore. I liked him at the time when he was signing dudes, but yeah, he he went like what two for five that that off season. Like it just just didn't really work out. All right, the last thing uh, I want to do, Steve, we got some we got some questions on Twitter at yep. atbbttr. Uh, we've been we've been posting there regularly. Steve's doing a great job with that. 
Uh, we posted a question on Twitter asking what everyone's thoughts are on the team so far. Uh, we've been giving you our thoughts for the last, uh, for the last 45 minutes or so. But uh, what did the Reds fans following the account have to say, Steve? Yeah, so uh, I was kind of interested in a lot of the responses. So I'll filter out some of the ones that we just hadn't talked about yet. You know, we've already touched on the bullpen, offense, some of that. But um, Caden Davisher asks us, uh, if we have continuous success, will we, will we be buyers at the deadline? Must improve bullpen play to be able to sustain a good record slash a chance in the NL Central, which I agree. Another starter could also add Sessa to the bullpen. I mean, if you want to think about it like you know, Dick Williams did in 2019 and you make a trade, you get like a, a major league ready guy in here for like the next year and a half, two years. I think there's, you know, the potential for it. And it would probably be like a guy like Will Myers. I really don't think they want to trade any of their, their young guys, you know, like guys they have under too much team control. We kind of know who's not going to be here August 1st on this team, but I'm interested to hear what you guys think about that. Yeah. I, yeah, I think they should, Oh, go ahead, Rob. I was gonna say, yeah, if, if they make a move, I imagine they'd pick up a bullpen piece, like I said earlier, go get like a mercenary type pitcher, like an Arthur Rhodes, uh, who played for us years ago. Probably, I prefer him to pick up a lefty arm, uh, if possible. Uh, I really don't see him adding any position players um, if they are if they do happen to be buyers at the deadline, because with all the depth they have on the bench and in the farm system, they can just bring somebody up. I feel like and be just as fine. That, uh, that reply on Twitter got me thinking. We didn't really actually discuss it, but uh, we joked about the four and five guys on our rotation not being great. And you know we are getting Luke Weaver back, but Luke Weaver isn't anything crazy. Uh, going out and trading for a, a starting pitcher could be a really good move. Uh, you know, if there's a veteran on a team that, that is trying to sell that uh, you know has a little more upside than Luke Weaver or uh, Luis Sessa, that could be a real interesting piece. And we could do the kind of deal where you get someone with two years left on their, on their contract or something, you know, like we did with Trevor Bauer. Uh, and you, you get a piece to kind of go for it this year, but really you're still gearing up for next year. Uh, man, that could be interesting. I think, uh, you know, I fantasize a little bit about if this rotation, uh, if we had this rotation plus somehow still had Luis Castillo, but you can go out and get a guy, not a Luis Castillo. You're not going to get a Luis Castillo this year. But could you go get a pretty, you know, a, a, guy, a guy that's a top three pitcher on another team and put him in our four or five spot? Man, that gets almost more interesting to me than just trying to find another bullpen piece. Um, yeah, so I, I completely agree. And great answers, guys. I'm, uh, I'll move on to the next question now. Uh, since he be at BTerry50, um, he, he did, you know, just talk about, you know, the bullpen being a question, but... Um, the biggest question of all, can they stay healthy? I was worried for a minute when Friedel hit the wall last night. They can't afford, afford many injuries, uh, cross-finger emoji. We have already seen Barrero get taken out early in the game already, then uh, Friedel hitting the wall. Thankfully, he's uh, got some toughness to him and got up and shook it off. Um, I feel like if it was another player, um, it probably would have uh, taken him out for a few months. But uh, – I would definitely would like to see them stay healthy. We'll see. It'd be interesting. Uh, but with uh, Barrero getting hurt early and uh, Friedel coming within inches of seriously hurting himself, I think it's going to be a, a taller task than what a lot of people think. Yeah. You know, I, I poo-pooed the three catcher thing, but 
Hopefully that'll help Tyler Stevenson stay fresh and avoid injury playing catcher less. Uh, it's a very easy position to get hurt at, although his injuries have all been kind of fluky uh, and he still is young. You know, Senzel was a guy that for the last few seasons, it was like, if he goes down, Oh shit. Like who's going to even play outfield. Now we're talking about, will he even get, you know, he's the most injury vulnerable guy on the, on the rock, on the 40 man roster, call it. Uh, and we don't even know where he's going to play when he's healthy. So the depth is there almost more than we realize. You know, there's still not guys that are perennial all-stars, but there's a lot of really solid players that can play all over. And when one guy goes down, I think we've got some depth to fill those spots pretty quickly uh, and pretty effectively, especially with the guys we know. We got Matt McLean is hitting really well in the minors. Uh, if someone in the infield goes down, he can he can come up. Uh, Ellie Taylor Cruz is probably not far behind Christian Encarnacion strand. You know, if, if a third baseman or a first baseman goes down, he's going to be up. Uh, maybe if he starts hitting the cover off the ball, he'll just come up and DH every time. Uh, and then we'll have more depth elsewhere. This team is deeper than people give it credit for. Uh, and I don't think we could say that in some of our past seasons, even our past, like really good seasons. Uh, you know, if, if Castellanos had gone down or something, we were screwed. Uh, and I don't think that's necessarily the case. Maybe the upside isn't quite as high as a Castellanos in a, in a Jake Fraley, but if Jake Fraley goes down, all right. Yeah. Yeah. I I've kind of have like a, maybe a dumb question or a dumb statement, uh, but like early on in Joey Votto's career, he got some playing time in left field. Obviously you're not going to stick Votto out there now, but could a guy like a Tyler Stevenson possibly spell a guy in left field for a game or two? Um, Did we do that last year? Who was it? Someone played outfield that was like, uh, it was a trip. Who did that? Was it, was it Stevenson? He might've honestly, I, I would kind of want to look up his numbers last year just to see what he was at. Someone, someone find that on baseball reference real quick. Let's Stevenson played left field in 2021. Yeah. Oh, he did. Okay. How about that? How many games, you know? Uh, looks like just one, just one game in left field. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to look up his outs out there and see see how he did. But it, one mean, inning, even it was just one inning. Oh, okay. Oh. So just... <laughs> I don't think one he got inning. he didn't get any he didn't get any balls. Oh, okay, I'm sure his oh. positioning was great. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so I, I mean, I I don't think that would happen. But you know, he is. He's kind of fast for like a catcher, so I mean, yeah, like possible, he's like but... athletic and nimble, and if, I feel like if you ask him to cover some ground in the outfield, like a corner outfield spot, he might might yeah. be able to do it. I don't know. I I do see like I like the creativity, Rob, but I do think like they're just going to try and protect him this year, you know, with the yeah. whole like platooning in between first and DH and catcher. Like I just think they're going to really try and not like get him hurt again this year. Like, and that's impossible to ask, but they're really trying to keep him in bubble wrap this year and make it, make sure he can play also 162 for the first time in his career. So I'm looking forward to seeing if he can. Um, I got two more for you real quick. Um, <laughs> this first one, I like this guy. He's, he says, where can I go? Question mark. And his, his at is where are you going to go? So a little play <laughs> on some comments made last year, but He's just curious, like, who, uh, if we have any guys who we think are going to go, like, above and beyond stats this year. He says, who will hit 300? Who will hit 30 homers? Who will score 100 runs? 
who will drive in 100 runs. Great American ballpark is very hitter friendly. Let's get some hitters. So you don't have to answer all of those, but I do am just curious, like who's a guy you think could reach like one of those numbers? I'm a guy let me, yeah, go ahead, let me sorry, Rob. Uh, I think John India is going to hit 300 this year. I think he's going to be an all-star, you know, maybe. And but I think his approach is so different this year. You know, we saw so much promise in, in him in his rookie year, and then he almost took a step back because he thought he had to be a power hitter. He put on his weight. He thought he had to just hit, try to hit homers, be this big slugger. Uh, and he's back to his his the kind of player he is. Uh, I saw some advanced stats actually just an hour or so ago before we started recording uh, that his foot speed and his fielding have improved dramatically. Like he is, he's a much faster, nimbler player. Uh, the shift being gone helps him a lot. He's going to hit a lot of singles. He's going to bat 300 uh, and still have an OPS. that's you know, in the eight hundreds, he's not going to, you know, he's not going to keep, keep the power up with that. But uh, as far as second baseman goes, that's, that's great. That's what you need. He's going to be a great guy to have at the top of the lineup. Uh, I could see him being an all-star this year. He loves the leadership role. He really feels in control of this team. Uh, and he's the kind of guy you would love to see, you know, make that breakthrough and that next step uh, in his development as far as getting on an all-star team. And if he doesn't hit 300, I think he's going to hit the best average of his career so far, which would be 270 or higher. Uh, and I'd love to see him do that without hitting, you know, 30 home runs. He's probably going to be 20 or lower and that's fine. And he contributed uh, his injury struggles last year to him being so heavy and not used to playing at the weight he was playing at. He's a little less thick boy now and a little more slim boy. I love Um, it. Guy that I'm really uh, curious to see uh, put together a full season healthy is Jake Fraley. Uh, I think he was on track to batting close to 300 last year before he got hurt. Um, He's he's a guy that we're we're expecting to, to play right field for us and kind of be an anchor in the outfield. And uh, he's one of those guys that was really tough on himself last year too, for getting hurt and not being able to help the team. And I'm just really eager to see what he can do with a, a full 162 if, if he can stay healthy. I'd love to see Fraley hit 30 bombs because uh, he already put up saying like he'll donate $500 to uh, a charity that he and his wife are uh, fond of uh, for every home run he hits. So I think he'll be motivated to hit some homers, you know, and just, uh, uh, he'll, he's going to get a lot of time to play because you play more righties than you do left-handed, left-handed starters. So he'll get pretty much everyday reps when they're not facing a lefty. Um, it, I, I looked last year. Last year, the stats are not very good all around, but I was curious to see who's still on the team that led the team in RBI last year. Uh, it was Kyle Farmer with 78, Brandon Drew with 59 last year. But Joey Votto and uh, Indy, tied for third with 41 RBI each. So, Jeez. uh, yeah, wow. not, not a great, you had to spread out around the wealth a little bit. More. Who, who's going to lead the team in uh home run, Steve? Um, I would say Fraley. I think he's my bet just yeah. because he's like the, a power hitter, like most power hitter guy we have on this team. Probably I'd say, I mean, maybe Indy can do a few more leadoff bombs, but I think you really need any to just get on base. Like, and I would love to see Stevenson do that and, Maybe he, a full season will get him an ability to do more power, but Stevenson seems to just have the ability to spray the ball around all fields, and he's more of like a doubles guy. So um, I would be interested to see what you know who comes out on top. But I think just because Fraley is like he's swinging for the fences most times, he's swinging for power. Yeah, I think he will lead the team. 
Good take. Uh, Vossler leads the team right now with three home runs, but you got to think Fraley's going to get more consistent at bats than what Vossler is. So the, I think the opportunity is better for hey, Fraley to do something Daddy like that. As long as you can, baby. I mean, you know, <laughs> whoever wants to hit him, do it. You know, I, I don't care as long as you do it for us. Yeah, I think that's that's good stuff there. You got any more for us, Steve? One more. It's an easy one. Uh, our guy Emmy uh, at MWE five three one. Can they win a fourth? Can they win a fourth game uh, before the <laughs> game of the season? Um, Rob, go ahead and start. Yeah, I think they have the opportunity to win four games. They got Philadelphia coming up, and have they won a game yet? I haven't looked. I haven't, I haven't really followed the Phillies. I know they started out like going three, and they've well, got Tuesday like the supposed at Yankee Stadium, but uh, they uh, oh. lost today. So, or uh, yesterday, as you're listening, but. Um, I am kind of interested, you know, to see how this matchup happens um, against the Phillies because Reds are spraying a lot of balls around the outfield and the Phillies do not have very fleet of foot uh, outfielders. So you never know. And like, you know, obviously we got the base, the, the college baseball rotation uh, going in there, yeah. uh, the, the three-headed monster. So I, I think the Reds could do some more damage this weekend. Donnie, will they win a fourth game? <laughs> I think they're going to win a fourth game well before they did last year. Uh, I think that's a good reminder for people that, uh, you know, if you like bad teams, don't go three and 22 <laughs> bad teams might go, you know, what, uh, seven and 18. And that's a really bad stretch, like a really bad stretch, even for a bad team. So give a really bad team five wins back, say last year. And, uh, we're a 67 win team instead of a, a 62 win team. And obviously this team is better. So then, okay, you say should be at least 70, 75 win team. Suddenly it, it doesn't seem that unrealistic that this team could be competitive uh, into the later part of the season. So yeah, I think they're going to win uh, pretty soon. We got a tough stretch here. Uh, a lot of good teams in the next, yeah. uh, in the rest of this month. Uh, you know, they started off a little bit soft as far as the pirates aren't great. And the, the Cubs have added some pieces, but they're not great either. Uh so this will be a good challenge. It'll be a good, good way to see, you know, the Phillies record doesn't really, you know, that's they're, they're better than their record. Uh, and just like maybe the Reds are worse than their record. Uh, but this, this, these next few series will, will really tell us a lot. Last season's team set the bar very, very, very low because they were on pace <laughs> to be the worst team in baseball, historically the worst team that has ever taken the field in major league baseball. So, yeah. uh, and that's, and that's the crazy thing, though. Even up until last week, like comments and replies to the opening day lineup as it was posted, like, wow, is this the worst lineup the Reds have ever put out? Is this the worst team the Reds have ever assembled? It's not like one troll saying that. There are a lot of like people that would call themselves Reds fans that were saying that in the in the replies on Twitter. I'm sure you saw that, Steve, running the account. Uh, and so many of those guys, you know, got quiet after we started three and one. Uh which is silly again, because it's only been five games, but man, everyone was so negative and we've been talking all off season and leading up to the season, how we really thought this team could be a lot better than what was expected. And it's just crazy to me that people claim they're following the reds and didn't see this coming at all. Yeah. Don, yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. I took a, I took the first look at the opening lineup when I saw it on Twitter and I went, Ooh, Oh boy. <laughs> well, here, here we go. And, See the uh, difference, Rob. Though, Rob, driven wrong so far. There's not some 32 year old guy that was an all star five seasons ago on that team who who we signed. That's true. 
but but a guy like Spencer Steer is going to have a better season than that guy. You know, it's right. just because the the normies haven't heard of Jake Fraley doesn't mean he's he's worse than Jesse Winker. He might put up better numbers. So uh, people need to realize that a guy, man, aging happens fast. I'm sure you guys, as we have, we're in our late twenties, are starting to figure that out as non athletes. But even for athletes, mm-hmm. you get into your mid thirties and you're just not the same ball player. And so, yeah, you guys might not have heard of all these 26 year olds, but Hey, they're, they're, they're going to not have to cover off the ball. If you want to root for a team full of 32 year olds who are good five years ago, may I present to you the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> that team is yeah, just old and they're going to age like milk, man. Like I just don't, don't like anything about what they did this year. So let them have their one win, you know, but we, we, we got you this year. We're coming back for you. So uh, just for context, I would love to win the Cubs uh, series or season series against them this year. That would make me happy. Yeah, yeah, that was a lot of fun. We did that um, in 2019, and I think that was a real showing of the tides. There is just how we were coming up, and they were on their way back down. Right. Just for additional context, the Reds won their fourth game last year on May 7th as part of a game <laughs> against the Pirates. And you remember that Friday night game was rained out, and that was going to be the game where the guy claimed he was going to climb up into the tundra. Uh, so yeah, uh, so yes. I do want to like if they do win this weekend, like I, I'm, I'm actually gonna draft up that tree, tweet right now and just say, you know, it's uh, how uh, a year has changed things, you know. So <laughs> I, I do think it's yeah. like, you know, and I, I know not as everybody is, is as positive as us and some other people on Reds Twitter, but Donnie, I've noticed like a lot of those dudes that are responding, they all have Bengals jerseys yeah, the on, Bengals or they yeah. got like Joe Burrow in their profile picture, and. I, I love the Bengals. Don't get me wrong. I was like watching every game last year, but man, you got to think about this too. Like now, like with 17 games, each like a football game is equivalent to about nine baseball games. So like, we're about like halfway through what like a week one game would be in like a Bengals standpoint. So like we said earlier, some of you got to just like hang on for 162, man. It's, it's six months of this. And like, we're not running a sprint, baby. We're running a marathon. So, like, each team will lose a laugher like the Reds did last night. So, oh, yeah. Let's, no let's, let's and, just let it happen, you know? And I bet the Bengals accounts that are trolling you became those guys became fans like two years ago. So, whatever those guys say means absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so they're, I, they're casuals. And, and we're certainly not the, uh, the diehards that, uh, man, I. <laughs> The uh, the minor league rosters were posted like in the last day or two, and, so, and I see these guys that I follow uh, like quote tweeting the the Daytona Tortugas roster and be like, man, this roster's stacked. And I'm a guy who like I'd say I follow our our minors decently well. I, I try to know who our prospects are. They're coming up. Man, I'm scrolling through this Daytona Tortugas roster and I recognize like two names. Uh, <laughs> and I get these guys are high upside young guys, but uh, some of these nerds are very in the weeds. Some of these casuals don't know much at all. We're going to try to bridge that gap. I think we do a good job of it. I think we got we have a lot of fun. We're not trying to take ourselves too seriously. So, if you are new to the podcast, uh, I know we don't we don't really have a set schedule here. We're kind of just going to shoot from the hip, uh, and I think that's what makes us a little different. If uh, if some of those Reds podcasts are maybe not as approachable, they're getting a little too in the weeds and all the advanced stats. Uh, I think that's what Reds Country Radio and ATBBTTR. Uh, I think that's how we approach it a little differently. We're going to have fun with you. We're going to post the fun stuff on Twitter, Instagram, uh, wherever else. And uh, it's going to be a fun year. And I think these first five games proved that 
you know, we're not going to win three of five, maybe the rest of the way. Uh, we might start losing three of five. That's okay. I think it's going to at least not be nearly as miserable as last season. Remember guys, you're rooting for them to win 80 games this year. Yeah. Hey, uh, we're all going to be pretty eternal rich. Optimism. Eternal right? optimism, fellas. All right, boys. Uh, this has been fun. We uh, we're curing the two days without baseball blues here by talking about it. So uh, looking forward to this weekend series with our three headed monster and uh, go red legs. Go red legs. Go baby. reds, baby. <laughs>